Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. with Hunter Withrow is underway. The Thursday edition is upon us. Chad says the weekend is here on Thursdays. Glad you're here with us on YouTube, streaming live. Search out Outkick, hit the subscription button, and join Chad in the chat throughout the show. Live 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern uh, weekday afternoons. We've got a, a slam show today, Chad. Your thoughts on today's guest list, starting with Trey Wallace, Outkick.com's senior college football reporter. He's in the mix in 20 minutes. Well, 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 Hutton. It is a celebration today of the weekend. It's Thursday. This guest list, it's reason to celebrate also. I'm excited. It's fun. Look, we don't have to worry about anything anymore, all right? Forget your jobs. Forget your responsibilities. Football is on the air tonight. I have no idea who's playing in college because the thing of college football having a good Thursday night game. Middle Tennessee Kentucky. Okay, that's got some local ties to us, but means nothing nationally. Take the over. The old college football Thursday night game of the week uh, doesn't have much meaning anymore, but we have NFL football tonight, which is going to be great. The weekend has arrived. We celebrate the weekend arriving with a great guest list today and a great show. Trey Wallace arrives in 20 minutes. Dan Dockich with us later this hour as well. Armando Salguero talks all things NFL, uh, a big week four slate of games. Uh, Emphasis on some winless teams and some two and one teams that can make a big jump in the divisions that they're currently playing in based on matchups. And Ryan Leaf talks ball with us uh, in our number three. Chad, let's let's get to it. The scorched earth top headlines of this afternoon, starting with your Bravos and let's face it, the the, the man who should be the National League MVP, Ronald Acuna becomes the first player in Major League Baseball history with 40 homers and 70 stolen bases, the 40-70 club. He owns it, and he's started it based on what has been a tremendous season that you don't believe will end with the NL MVP award. Something's wrong with the process if he's not the MVP. I'm 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 still going to be very upset about it. I can just feel this thing coming to. They're going to look at a lot of advanced analytics and metrics on Mookie Betts and make an argument for him being the MVP. It's this guy that we're looking at right now, Ronald Acuna Jr. He's in a club. We jokingly call it a club. It's a one-man club in the 40-70 club after last night. And what a dramatic game for this to happen in. One of the stolen bases and when it took place. The Braves, in for a second straight night, the Cubs are hanging on for dear life. They've been in a bit of a free fall. They're tied with the Marlins now, but the Marlins are better because they have the head-to-head. So they own the head-to-head with the Cubs. But in back-to-back nights, Hutton, the Cubs blow a 6-0 lead and lose 7-6 to in these games they must have. Last night, they blow another lead. Bottom of the ninth, Marcelo Zuna hits a home run. Oh, by the way, Braves now five away from breaking the all-time Major League Baseball home run record. They've got four games left to try to do that. They'll do it. Ozuna ties it in the ninth. Then Acuna gets on. He drives in the tying run, steals second base. They stop the game to celebrate. And that's the 70th. That's the 70th. Stop the game to celebrate. The scoreboards are going off with 40-70 club. 
takes the base out. They got to replace the base. Cubs broadcast team is all pissed off because they're delaying the game for this, which you have to understand the history involved in something like this and know that if it's your guy, they're going to stop the game and do this. I can also understand that in extra innings in a tie game. And what it means for the Cubs. Right. This is not the you know, the A's playing out the season, just looking to go to a new city where right. nothing matters. These games really matter to the Cubs. So they'd want to keep the thing going and not have a big delay and the pitcher goes back out. And then, oh, yeah, Ozzie Albies goes ahead and ends it with a single and Acuna slides in head first for the Braves win. Incredible night, incredible season. If you don't like this guy, you don't like people having fun being the best at their sport because that's really what he does. I don't see his celebrations or anything he's doing as something that's meant to show up the opponent. This dude loves the game. Watch him celebrate the Marcelo Zuna home run last night to tie the game in the ninth. He looks like he's seven years old celebrating his first ever home run, celebrating his teammate in that moment. I love Ronald Acuna Jr. There's nothing not to love about the season he's had. Hutton, let's hope that it ends with an NL MVP. Yeah, and he's created the 4070 Club, as you mentioned. Are, are there that many voters that don't like this guy so much for his exuberant celebrations that they're going to vote for Mookie Betts instead? Or is it just the preference of Betts and the fact that they voted him MVP before in the AL with the Red Sox? Like, is it just preference numbers? Or is it, do they really hate this guy to the point where they don't like the antics? Because I, I mean... Uh, I, I think if you flip flop the two, I, I don't see. That I, I the, think it's. The I think it's a team thing. I think it's more of a team issue. I, I think if you, if if Acuna Jr. is on the Dodgers and Mookie Betts is on the Braves, he would hands down be the MVP. Well, uh, but, I think it's a Dodgers bias. I think there's a bias around some of the top franchises in baseball, and the Braves, from a consistency standpoint, are there, but I don't think they're viewed that way as I, a banner organization. Yeah, I, I just uh, with the run that they've been on and the historical significance of this, plus of uh, the the offense that this team puts up and the way they're built. It's I mean, incredible. If, you're, if you're a baseball, uh, you know, a lifer, if if you're a, a diehard who hates all the changes, you believe in you know the steroid era. They should be the ban from the, the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose is out and should remain out. How can you not appreciate what the Atlanta Braves have done? to the point where you're not going to vote the best player in the National League as MVP. Based on the historical significance of, and again, it's not the going out and buying the the massive contracts like Cohen, which, by the way, I would love Steve Cohen as my owner, as as my favorite team. I love the fact that he'll go out and pay top dollar to to attempt to make his franchise legit and a, a title contender. But the Braves are the opposite. They've got bargain contracts with superstar players in Major League Baseball. How is that not celebrated well, amongst, they, amongst the, the, the holier-than-thou uh, baseball I don't, I don't writers and voters? I don't get it. Look, I, I hope and I'm I, I think by and large I, they are. But, but the, the assumption that Acuna won't win based on the fact that he celebrates and he's over the top with it is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I hope I'm wrong, but I, I do think there's going to be some of that resentment from some voters at least, and I think some voters, that's enough to sway it in favor of Mookie Betts. The top four hitters in all of baseball are on two teams. It is Acuna Jr. In order, I'll go ahead and say it. It's Acuna Jr., it is Mookie Betts, it is Matt Olson of the Braves, and it's Freddie Freeman 
of the Dodgers. I mean, any metric you want to look at, those are the top four offensive weapons in baseball. It will be a crime if these two teams don't play in the NLCS. That is what I want to see. I think that's what America would want to see if you're baseball fans. Um, We'll see if it happens. Look, the Braves won what felt like a miracle World Series in 2021 with that group, and that was the beginning of the window. That was early Braves of this window with this core that signed on for a long time for this team. So they're the favorite now. I I think it's safe to say they are the favorite to win the World Series. Um, You love what the Orioles have done, the the Rays also in the American League. The Astros are going to be a factor, certainly the Dodgers. But the Braves are the best team in baseball. They're certainly the best offense in baseball. So now it's about going out and getting it done, and they are making life hell on the Chicago Cubs. And they're going to have to be the best who, offense. Uh, I was talking with Matty Ice, uh, resident Cubs fan in here before. I said, he's might scared. as well go ahead and win out. He's worried. He's very worried. He's, he's very nervous about it. He's nervous for his boy. Da- we don't call him David Ross. We call him Dave Ross. That's how tight we are with the Cubs. He's da- Dave Ross. He's Matty Ice. Davey Ross, sometimes we'll call him that, like Davey Hudson. He should be nervous. The Cubs need to go ahead and win the last four if they want to feel secure at all. The Taylor Swift effect in, in full effect uh, across uh, the NFL and all of the attention going to Kelsey and, and Swift because Taylor Swift is going to be in attendance for Sunday Night Football in New York. Jets hosting the Kansas City Chiefs and the ticket price is soared, which I'm, I'm fascinated by uh, because of the, uh, the reveal that she's going to be there to watch Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs take on the New York Jets. SeatGeek has the ticket price at $508. And uh, what was $169 on Ticketmaster for uh, a pair of tickets per seat together, $169 to get in for Sunday Night Football, uh, went up 70% roughly to uh, $290, rounding out uh, the, the change there. From 169 to 290 upon the announcement that T. Swift is going to be in the house. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you would want to go to a game and because she's in the building, you're not going to be able to... It's not like she's playing a concert that, that we know of. It's not like you're going to have a glimpse at her other than on the screen. Well, look at all the people that tuned in just to watch a, a live football game they otherwise wouldn't watch because they're going to show Taylor Swift in a suite. Yeah, but that, I mean... Celebrating something? That, but that's tuning in versus... Spending top dollar to go. Well, I don't know. Let's. I want to see people start spending the top dollar. It's one thing for those that hold the tickets to up the price when this news comes out. Well, this is through Ticketmaster. Of what they're doing. From 169 to 290. I know. Has everyone bought those tickets up, though, for that price, is my point? I understand them raising the price. My point is will people actually spend top dollar because they're going to go to a game that Taylor well, Swift they can is raise in the it, stadium though, and they'll never see her. They can raise it on Ticketmaster though because on the secondary market it's triple the price. Look, I think this whole thing has just gotten funny now. I'm sitting here looking at our screen. It says report Taylor Swift to attend Chiefs Jets. Yeah. That in and of itself is hilarious that this is like a, a viable cool. report. And it is a viable report and we're, we're going to talk about it but I'm really going on this roller coaster of this is a marketing ploy to this is true love. And now I'm back on There's the true love bandwagon no because I said love. yesterday, Hutton. Two months ago. But hold on, hear me out. I said yesterday, I will fall on the sword and say I'm wrong. I said, There's no way 
She's going to go to this Jets game. She's going to be there for that one in Kansas City. She's going to go back to her life, doing whatever she is she's going to do, and then maybe we'll see her pop up two months from now at another game or a a month from now. This is back-to-back weeks, Hutton. That, my friend, is true love. That is true love. That is going to bat for the one you care most about. And maybe that is Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey. You know, Clay brought this up yesterday. I've heard a lot about this. Why is she into Travis Kelsey? Like, what is it, you know, about Travis Kelsey? Clay says he's not that good looking. And Taylor Swift has dated a collection of 145-pound British theater nerds the last few years, right? That's yeah. basically who she's been with. Based on the list we now, went through. But now she, has, she is with a six-foot-four NFL tight end that's built like an oak tree. Like, that's the appeal. I don't think, you know, I'm out of line to say it's the step up and difference in who she's been dating. She I mean, dated some, who was the lead, the 1975? She yeah. dated the lead singer. Look at that guy. And then let's stand, uh, police lineup. Let's put Joe Alwyn, I mean, the dude from 1975, and Travis Kelsey next to each other in a lineup. And let's pull the women of Outkick Hot Mike and ask them, which one they're choosing. Chad, you're crushing the hopes and dreams of every, uh, you know, British nerd. theater nerd that's skinny, watching yeah. the show right now. Yeah, or just any, anyone like, so I, Chad's saying I don't have a chance with Taylor yeah. Swift. My based apologies on to the her dating history. Uh, my apologies to the two hot mic viewers in the south of London right now that are trying Wave to make it in theater that I just offended by saying that six foot four, built like an oak tree, Travis <laughs> Kelsey is maybe more appealing well, to Taylor Swift. But I think what Clay's guys. saying is, why Kelsey if you're going for the 6'4 oak tree? Uh, the league is I mean, full of them. Yeah, he's I, – I would argue this. You know, and I, Clay and I could talk about this offline. I'm not mad about anything he's saying or any of that. But why why not Kelsey? It, for this reason. The dude is funny. Well, yesterday, though, you were saying, yesterday though, you were saying, like, uh, why oh, look, go it, to that – level she, when no, I mean, she could have the Pope. No, I, I, I'm not saying... I'm saying anyone she dates, this was the point, anyone she dates, it's a step down. Okay? Anyone. <laughs> There's no one her... If she dated Tom Cruise, we're going to get into um, discussion I want to get into, Hutton, about the uh, most famous person in America. My vote would be Tom Cruise okay. as the most famous person in America because more 80-year-olds know Tom Cruise than they know Taylor Swift. And you've got to go to the I mean, old age bracket... To know also, right? Let's not get into it right now. That's just a quick aside. My point is, anyone she dates is a step down in popularity. Unless it's Tom Cruise or, you know, Michael Jordan, possibly. Or Donald Trump. Yeah, or, or so I, I, the wealthiest people. What I'm Earth. saying is, why not, Kelsey? If everyone is a step down, he's funny. He hosted SNL. He's got a lot of things going for him right now. I mean, I, I get it. If you're going to date a football player... I, I get it with Travis Kelsey is all that I'm saying. Gotta, I love playing matchmaker here on this show, too. Report Taylor Swift to attend Chiefs Jets, by the way. It's dominated, man. 60 minutes. 60 <laughs> minutes profile of Taylor Swift in a suite. The other, and uh, if you are spending top dollar to go to a game that a celebrity's at in a suite, that's ridiculous. Well, the top dollar if that's for the going reason to you're an NFL going. game would be going to see Patrick Mahomes in of prime course, time. Of and, course. And Kelsey. And Kelsey. Or just being a Jets or Chiefs fan. In the metropolitan yeah. New York area but that wants Jets, to go watch the, the game. Jets fans pay top dollar for week one. And uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're not the ones skyrocketing the prices but of Zach Wilson. if you are someone that is saying to yourself, 
Uh, you see this, what we put up there. Report Taylor Swift to attend Chiefs Jets. I better get on Ticketmaster That's, right now. That was my point. And spend top uh, yeah, dollar. The, the idea that they're skyrocketing because of this report is fascinating. That's what's crazy is if you did it solely because Taylor Swift is going to be there. Yes. Uh, um, also, I mean, anyone who does that may need to be investigated. If that's the reason you're going to spend over $1,000 to go to a game, oh, Taylor Swift's going to be there? I'll, I've never been to an NFL game, but I'm going to this one. Well, maybe it's the three or four protesters or you know the, the lobbyists outside the stadium. Maybe I've seen bodyguard one too many times, too. That's, that well, may be why I'm saying that. That's fine. She does have 10 security guards with her at all times. I think that's low. I think, I think, you got, think you're probably should go higher. Ten visible. No, you're, you're not counting the snipers on the roof. She's basically got the equivalent of the army of Luxembourg with her at all yeah. times. Instead of green beret, the red beret. Sovereign Marines yes. of Monaco. Coming up, Trey Wallace joins us. We dive into the top college football headlines. Some big matchups this weekend coming up. We'll preview those and discuss the big discussions from the week. Trey's next on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Six the Peabody our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. You're streaming live on YouTube. We say hello. Thank you. Hit the subscribe button. Pound the like button for us as well. Give us a thumbs up. And uh, join Chad in the chat currently. Best place to find us, easiest place to find us and watch continuously is on YouTube. So go there, find us uh, on the Outkick channel. And we're there live 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time Daily. You can find Trey Wallace, the senior college football reporter for OutKick at OutKick.com. And you can also find him right now. He joins us from Boulder. Trey, good to see you, man. Guys, good to see you as well. It's uh, it's a nice, like, 63 degrees out here. You it go. might as well just move along with everybody else in the country. It's Hollywood. It's the Hollywood of the Rockies is where you are now. Congrats. I, 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 just, I just watched... I just watched an Amazon crew unload a full truck of cameras. Um, I, I'm watching people just walk around. And, and these are tourists. You can tell they're tourists. I just left one place, you know, their, their team store. And, and, and they tell me this has turned into a tourist attraction, mm. Boulder has. And I'm not going to argue with that after what I've witnessed over the last couple of hours being on campus Hollywood and Boulder and Hollywood visits uh, with USC and the, the Trojans in town, uh, 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern kickoff on Fox. What do you anticipate Saturday, Trey, given the fact that we saw what happened in Eugene for the Buffaloes and that USC, USC while they were playing in week zero, and we certainly tuned in and, and saw them a bit, they've been on the back burner somewhat even with the Heisman Trophy winner from last year, and now they're on, they're on center stage with a massive audience Saturday. 
Yeah, Jonathan, it's weird. Like, you know, I, I don't know a lot of who all stood, stayed up and watched the Arizona State game last weekend, but there have been parts of, of USC that have been a little bit alarming to yeah. me, especially yeah. with that defense with Alex Grinch. And so looking at Saturday, like this is the perfect opportunity if, if Deion Sanders and then we're going to try to open this thing up on offense with, you know, Shador and, and, and if people can step up in the place of Travis Hunter – you know, I do think like this game could actually turn in to something much better than maybe what the odds makers are thinking. Because right now, I don't trust the USC defense at the moment. I, I watched Arizona State go up and down the field on the Trojans last weekend. Now, look, I'm not saying Colorado is going to come out here and beat USC. I just think this sets up better for what Colorado and Deion Sanders is trying to do because this is not like an Oregon team that, you know, hitting you every, you know, 10 seconds with the pass. This is a, a, a Caleb Williams team and Lincoln Rally that they can try to calm it down a little bit on offense, which maybe could set things up nicely for the Colorado defense to take a breath. But either way, I'm, I'm looking for it to be uh, wild pandemonium. I think that this game turns into something a lot bigger. And a lot of people forget, too, this is a 10 o'clock in the morning game locally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So it, it would be very interesting to see the dynamic, Jonathan. I've been interested this week um, and, and intrigued by the approach from Lincoln Riley. He's keeping things quiet on purpose. Pre-game or post-game, for the last three matchups for Colorado, there's been a lot of chatter. Matt Rule uh, with Shadour. Uh, of course, uh, with Jay Norvell. Uh, last week, uh, we, we saw the, the details with, with Oregon and Dan Lanning's comments pre-game and all that. But here's Lincoln Riley just trying to quiet and tamp down the noise for the Trojans instead of playing into the fight promotion, I refer to it as, uh, week in and week out for, for primetime. It's like Don King is, is handling things for these games. Um, no, and, and I don't disagree with you. I, I, Lincoln Riley's approach to this thing is, let's just go take care of business. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, and, and a part of Lincoln Riley needs to, to – maybe quiet down a little bit. He's got his own problems out there going on for, for how he, you know, proclaimed things went down in Oklahoma, you know, two weeks ago with that interview that, that it came out. But, but I think, I, I think overall, this is, you know, this is Lincoln Riley trying to get to work, trying to take this game. He knows how big this game is. Like he, he knows what the, the networks are going to be here. And he knows that this thing is going to be a big new kickoff on Fox and, you know, that, that, that this could honestly be a trap game if his Trojans don't come out and play well. So why add any fuel to the fire? I think is probably the best way to put it. And Lincoln Riley's decided not to do that. And uh, I can't say I blame him because either way, Colorado's going to go after him, especially the players. Trey, I wouldn't classify this as a huge week in the SEC with the games, but uh, it is a very interesting week for a, a number of teams. And I want to talk about two games, each featuring three and one versus two and two. Let's start with Tennessee and South Carolina. Revenge opportunity for Tennessee, regardless of what they want to say. They all know what happened last year and how Spencer, Spencer Rattler just ate them up and derailed their national championship hopes in, in that game. It seems like Spencer Rattler's sort of it for South Carolina right now, especially with Juice Wells out, no running game to speak of. Their pass defense is one of the worst in the country. A big opportunity for Joe Milton to prove he can do more for the, through the air down the field in this game. What, what do you think about this matchup? I, I, I do. I mean, it, it, this is, you, 
call it revenge, call it whatever you would like to call it. Tennessee going with the dark uniform Saturday night in Neyland Stadium. Um, they look. There's not a day that's gone by inside that Tennessee football facility, and in some form or fashion, South Carolina has not been brought up, uh, dating back to last season. I talked to too many people to, you know, for them not to to deny that. I, I think that when you look at it, you, in Tennessee's case, you don't want to get too overjuiced when it comes to revenge where Spencer Rattler could come in and all of a sudden the offense gets let loose and, you know, and you find yourself in the dogfight. Like if we look at both teams right now, you know, I, I think both are interesting on defense. I think they have what it takes on offense, but like you said, without juice Wells, you know, if Tennessee gets pressure on, on, on Spencer Rattler, they can make his life miserable just as Georgia was doing just as North Carolina was doing. But the biggest thing that stands out to me is that, you know, I think Shane Beamer wants this one really bad as well. Again, just like last season, but you look at Tennessee and Josh Heupel and Joe Milton. This is Joe Milton's chance to put Florida behind him on the national stage. Um, this is the opportunity where folks will forget, you know, the play calling that went down uh, in Gainesville. Um, also forget some of the passes that weren't complete. Overall, this is a way for him to uh, reignite his name. And I think, though, against South Carolina, I think that opportunity is there. Um, to me, it, it just comes down to wide receivers, and it comes down to what your offensive line is. I'm tired of hearing about Cooper Mays, uh, if he's going to play football or not. And uh, until they roll him out there and, and get going, I think everybody needs to tamper that down a little bit. But it's, it's a big weekend for Tennessee and Joe Milton. And if they want to keep this up, Chad, they want to contend towards nine and three, whatever, ten and two in their expectations. You better beat South Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, if they're going to reach expectation at all, it's a it's a must win. That they're going below expectation if they lose this game at home, no doubt. Um, Texas A and M had high expectations coming into last year, and then high expectations coming into this year. Now they lose their starting quarterback, but Trey, they got a guy in Max Johnson who started a bunch of games in the SEC. They go on the road to Arkansas where they're less than a touchdown favorite. Arkansas limping into this one a little bit too, even though they played LSU really well last week. What, what do you think about the matchup? I thought KJ, man, if KJ Jefferson had Rocket Sanders with him uh, last week against LSU, I think they get out of Baton Rouge with a win. Um, not having Rocket Sanders, kind of, it, it really hurts Arkansas. Um, we, we, we've seen what the Razorbacks can do. Um, you know, I watched that loss to BYU, but then I watched them come back and play against LSU, you know, and, and it's like, okay, that was two different ball clubs. A&M, man, Chad, this is interesting territory because it, it kind of reminds me of what happened when Haynes King was named the starting quarterback. You remember he Haynes King got hurt, you know, that year and didn't play anymore. So they went to the backup quarterback and, and, and Calzada was one of the guys that was playing for A&M. Now Texas A&M got a quarterback situation with Max Johnson, who, in my opinion, I like Max Johnson. I think Max Johnson can complete all the passes. But there was a reason why Max Johnson was not the starting quarterback to open the year up, coming from Jimbo Fisher. So how that plays out Saturday, this is, you got to win this game. You have to beat Arkansas, man. If Arkansas beats you uh, in, in Jerry's world and, and with a team that is not playing – particularly well on defense, I think this just sets up the, the dam to open up 
on Jimbo Fisher. So that's why I'd be nervous if I'm a Texas A&M fan. I, I think Max Johnson could do it. I do. But you're going to go up against the, an Arkansas team that, you know, coming off that close loss last week to LSU, you know, they would love nothing more to, to take down the Aggies. So it's going to be fun to watch. I'm just very curious to see how this Bobby Petrino offense kind of steps up now with a backup. Trey Wallace, our guest on Hot Mile with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network, uh, Outkick's college football reporter. How do you think Notre Dame responds after last week's loss, now on the road against Duke, uh, and a Blue Devils defense that hasn't allowed more than 14 points to any opponent this season so far? Yeah, I love what Elko's doing in Durham. I do. Um, I, I This is one of those games where I think Sam Hartman uh, continues to – go in the right direction, taking those right strides. Last week, it was such a good game. You know, I know the yeah. offense was not there, but you look at the way Hartman played. I thought he was composed at home, first big game uh, as, as a fighting Irish quarterback. Now, you got to back – this is very hard to do. You got to back up that emotion of everything you put into that Ohio State game. Now you got to go down to Durham and play Duke, a team that is very good that can beat you. So you, now you have to, to put it all together again. Like that to me is going to be the interesting part for Notre Dame. It's not what they do on offense, not what they do on defense. Can they bring the same energy to Durham as they had last weekend in South Bend? And if they don't, Mike Elko and those Blue Devils will get out in front of Notre Dame and make them pay. Riley Leonard, special quarterback. That's why I'm a little bit nervous for Notre Dame this weekend. They've got the players on both sides of the ball, but it's all about that get-up game. You're coming off last week. Now you got to do it this week. Let's see if Notre Dame shows up. Bigger and better programs will come calling for Mike Elko if he continues this at Duke. I'm interested to see where he ends up going or if he stays at Duke. Also interested to see what happens at Michigan State. Trey, what is this job exactly right now for Michigan State? I know Chris Kleiman of Kansas State was asked about it and said, I'm not going there. I'm, not, I'm staying right here. I'm not going anywhere. He was definitive about it. What level of candidate can Michigan State hire this go-around? Chad, I think – I don't know if they can go out and get a big-name coach. Uh, and, and I'm talking – you know, and, and the definition of big-name coach, it changes every single year, however that team is doing, and I understand that. But it's a mess in East Lansing right now. Uh, how, as a head coach, are you supposed to take the job and go into the program but maybe not trust the administration and the athletic department? There's a lot. I think we all can agree that there was a lot of stuff that went on during this whole Mel Tucker ordeal that you're we're having a hard time trying to – figure out the truth in and of it all. I think that's the biggest thing to me. Like, I think both sides screwed up, you know, in the Mel Tucker ordeal. I, I, but I think that Michigan state found their out and they did it procedurally in the right way. And Mel Tucker did violate rules. Okay. He did. Um, was it worth getting fired over? I don't know. But I feel like right now this job, you know, you just brought it up. Is Elko, you know, is Mike Elko somebody that would take the Michigan State job? Look at how big the Big Ten, sorry for putting them both at the same time, but they're getting bigger now, okay? You got USC, UCLA joining the conference. You got Michigan and Ohio State playing well. Penn State's playing well. 
No, you've got a number of teams there. What is the Michigan State job right now? The caliber of it. So that's what concerns me when it comes to going out and getting a big-name coach where they might have to meet somewhere in the middle. Somebody that's either A, up and coming, or if they can go get you know a distinguished coach, maybe not a lower-tier school, but you know, somebody from the ACC or, you know, I'm, I'll throw out like Dave Clawson or something like that who's at Wake Forest. Like, they got to go in and find somebody that can change the program around because this last year has been a cluster for Michigan State. Trey Wallace has been our guest. He's in Boulder for coverage uh, through Outkick.com for Colorado and USC on Saturday, the big noon kickoff game of the week. Trey, uh, always appreciate it. Uh, last 10 seconds, um, if Dion says, do you believe, what do you respond with? Uh, ask me again next year. <laughs> that's a that's a if he beats USC, I'll get in front of him and say, Hey, buddy, Trey, I believe. do you believe? Do you believe, Trey? Just say no, yeah, yeah, just say, <laughs> just no. say no, yeah, do it for all of us. Just say no, enjoy it. Uh, we, we're, we're going to enjoy the, the coverage as well. Keep up the great work, thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Trey, Trey. Wallace. There at Trey Wallace underscore on social is where you can find him, and again, outkick.com for the college football news updates, reports from Boulder and elsewhere. Trey's got it covered totally. Uh, so does Dan Dockett, so don't at me. Gets after it. Yes, he, he does. He joins us next. We go across the headlines of the week with Dan. Stick with us. Straight ahead on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. It is Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow on the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us uh, today. Thursday edition, the weekend edition. Chad's decree. The weekend is here. It's, it's arrived. Tonight. Just embrace it. Green Bay. Starts early. Hosting now. Detroit in the NFL. Big divisional matchup there. Last time the Lions were at Lambeau was back in January, and they ended the Rodgers era. Hutton, if this were May, this would just be another Thursday, yeah. and not the weekend. But now that we're in September, Fair. almost October in the fall, Thursdays are the start of the weekend. Yep. It has been decreed. Yep. From it's also, high. it's likely a golf day for Dan Dockich. But the weather's good. Host up of in, Don't Up in Indy here on the Outkick Network. Uh, Dan, hope things are well, man. Yeah, I got to get the Cubs going. I know it's football season, but we're tied. I need, I need playoff baseball. My old self. I look for appointment TV. I don't root for, I don't even know any other teams in the major leagues. So the Cubs have a big one tonight. They're tied with the Marlins. I'm wearing my jersey. And then once I'm done here, I'm going to go play golf because that's what I there do. There you go. How nervous are you for your Cubbies? What's that? How nervous are you for your Cubbies? Well, I, you know what? I, I know what's going to happen. We're used to failure. But <laughs> on the off chance that they can win a couple here and go against what I've been watching since 1969. I'm excited for the Cubs. It's been a long time since we've had meaningful baseball um, this time of year. So that's how I choose to look at it, fellas. We got meaningful baseball, at least four more games tonight and then three over the weekend. So screw it. I'm all in. I ain't nervous. I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, we've got meaningful football as well. And I'm just glad that we can have a little football sprinkled into a broadcast where Taylor Swift is in attendance uh, up in the the booth uh, watching Travis Kelsey with uh, his mother, Donna Kelsey. And now she's going to be at at MetLife for Sunday Night Football as the Jets host the the Chiefs. What do you make of the, uh, the attention and the fervor that this has received? 
You know, um, as a guy who raised a daughter, who the daughter really liked Taylor Swift, loved Justin Bieber, liked Taylor Swift, a stepdaughter who was cool with Taylor Swift. I always knew about Taylor Swift. I always thought Taylor Swift was a star. But, fellas, I got to tell you, when did this happen? When did she become like Michael freaking Jackson? When did she become this insane uh, international phenomenon when she shows up at a game 300 thousand people join her boyfriend's uh, Instagram jersey sales through the roof look I, I get it I guess she can sing all right and she seems to be a normal human being who cries about relationships everybody does that so I guess she relates uh me personally I'm tired of the Kelsey's I was tired of them before Taylor Swift I'm tired of the Mannings I've had enough of these guys but that's just me um, hey, good. I get. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't get the whole thing. I, I from Taylor Swift's insane, nuts popularity to the fact that she, you know, ticket prices are like five thousand dollars. I think I told you I went to an auction, uh, a, a dinner kind of an auction thing, a charity thing. Guy, guy got two Taylor Swift tickets for six grand, and he thought he made out pretty good. I'm like, <laughs> all right, man. There you go. I, it's a world I don't live in. I guess. Dan, you're a former player and, and coach for a, a program that you'll be critical of when you feel like it, it's called for. That's what Joe Namath did uh, with the Jets. He went off and he said Zach Wilson isn't the guy. He said, and if Robert Sala and the administration there can't realize that, then they need to go too. Now you've got Aaron Rodgers coming back and saying he shouldn't be doing that. Robert Sala saying my door is open. I think it's a little weird they haven't met before, quite frankly, being a Jets legend like Joe Namath. Uh, what do you think about what Namath had to say in the reaction to his statement? Well, Joe Namath is a legend, and those guys are part-timers, including Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala. So Joe Namath can say whatever he wants. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little insight to it. Joe Namath was there when the Jets were good. At least, you know, they won the Super Bowl and really kind of merged the NFL and the AFL. And Joe Namath was a big part of that. He remembers how good New York was. Same thing with me with Indiana basketball. Like, you know what? I remember when we went 13 and four and five my junior year, went to the Elite Eight, and that was considered a disappointing season. Indiana's only been to two or three Elite Eights since 1984, if you can believe that. So, you know, I, I remember, and you get tired of it. You know, I, I got tired. Bob Knight was fired in 2000. It's now 2023, and people are still talking about Bob Knight or talking about will Indiana get back? You just get tired of it. And Joe Namath, I, I understood what he was doing. You get to a point where you're like, hey, look, am I the only one that cares about winning around here? I don't want to hear how great recruits are. I don't want to hear how great draft picks are if you're Joe Namath. I don't want to hear how great this guy is. Look, win. That's it. In the NFL and more than any other sport, college basketball, you know, you could have a mediocre year, get on a run, and you've had a great year. In the NFL – you got to win, and I, I can. I, I got no problem with Joe Namath doing it. You know, Aaron Rodgers wants to say something. That's time maybe he say, he stays out of that one. That's too big for him. He's a he's a part timer. Robert Sala, Robert Sala to me. I said it when I watched him on Hard Knocks. Every time I watch Hard Knocks, uh, when I used to have my radio show in Indy, I'd tell you whether I could play for the coach or not. And I said on Sala, when you read and you're a coach and you read to off of a teleprompter to your team, you suck. Like, I'm just going to tell you, I've been around a lot of great coaches. I've been in basically every great coach currently in college basketball's locker rooms when they've been giving talks. Not one of them used a teleprompter. Solid did. 
You think Bob Knight or Krzyzewski or uh, Urban Meyer or Saban are using a teleprompter? I saw that. It tells me two things. One, he's uncomfortable, and two, he's not very smart, and three, he doesn't speak from the heart. So screw him. Good for Joe Namath, man. Hey, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him one second. Not one second. wonder what happens with Robert Sala if the teleprompter gets stuck. <laughs> you know? Could be a problem. Honest to God, it's like Ron Burgundy, right? Wouldn't that be great yeah. if I was a grad assistant? I was kind of a smart aleck with Coach Knight. I'd slip some words in there and see if they got through. It'd be a Ron Burgundy moment if I was on that staff. Go bleep yourself, San Diego. <laughs> That's what he's going to end his address with for the You're pregame. Right. Let's go get a bleeping snack. Hey, uh, Dan Dock is with us, host of Don't At Me. Um, From one 80-year-old and Joe Namath to others, uh, what about the 80-year-old-plus demo that has all the coaches pissed off? Ryan Day, Jake Dickert. You mentioned uh, not a coach, but quarterback with Aaron Rodgers in the comments by Namath, but Lou Holtz and Lee Corso stirring the pot as well. And for all these coaches that say, uh, ignore the noise, focus on the stuff in-house, a lot of coaches are responding to media opinion and 80-year-old men uh, opining on the sport itself uh, that have been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah, I, Louis Holtz was on my show, and he was awesome. He didn't back down. He said, hey, look, yeah. this is what I think. And if, if uh, Notre Dame had fallen on the ball instead of thrown, saving a timeout, they'd have won it. I don't – you know, who knows, but I, I don't think he's wrong – Look, that all we don't listen to the noise is complete crap. Everybody listen to the noise. I'm going back before we had all this noise. And my man, Bobby Knight, listened to all the noise. You know, Deion Sanders saying he keeps receipts. That, hey, that ain't new. Mike Krzyzewski, that dude kept receipts. I remember (laughs) walking in one time and he was pissed at everybody because dudes were criticizing Grayson Allen's dumbass. Everybody keeps receipts. I kept receipts at freaking Bowling Green. Are you kidding me? Everybody does. I knew the jackasses in town that were talking bad about me uh, (laughs) down at Uptown Downtown, the popular bar. You know. So, yeah, it's crap. Um, And, you know, I don't blame the Washington State guy. Here's the deal. Washington State, he's got to do everything he can. He can't. He's trying to find a conference. And he's got my man Lee Corso, former IU coach, talking about, well, no one's watching this. He's got a good team, right? He's trying to get in the league. He's got to do that. Ryan Day, I got no problem with Ryan Day did. Here, here's what you got to understand. This, this is so true. When you have a big win, you feel bulletproof. You just do. You feel like, and you're not even worried about, well, we may lose the next week. You saw it with Brian Ferentz when they scored 45. But what happens is you feel bulletproof. Fellas, I was 2-0 as the interim head coach at Indiana. We just beat Ohio State on Super Tuesday, uh, and I'm getting ready to be interviewed by Aaron Andrews, and it was all I could do on the court after the game. It was all I can do to just shut my mouth and not tell every little Indiana fan to go kiss my backside because they were whining and moaning about Samson. It was smart because we ended up getting our brains beat out the next next night. But the truth of the matter is when you win, I'm telling you, man, you feel bulletproof and you got a whole list of things to get off your chest, and that's what Day did. I liked it both. I thought it was fun. It's amazing, too, Chad, how quickly Day calmed down in the moment. Yeah, it was just a weird thing to go to immediately. I understand the press conference right there on the field was crazy. Yeah. And, and with the Dickert press conference, I'm with you, Dan. I really like that. And I, I think that there's an uncomfortable 
sense of uneasiness if you're Washington State, and not only are you watching Lee Corso and ESPN talk about no one watching, but knowing that ESPN had a big hand in cherry-picking right. and, and, and matchmaking teams with leagues and what they want and what they'd pay for what they wouldn't pay for. And I think that's what the Washington State coach is saying is, look, you guys did this, and now you're going to make fun of us right? having done this? And it's weird because we can credit ESPN and other networks for growing the popularity of college football, but now they're also hurting what college football was in return. So I, I get it with the Washington State coach. I do too, and you're exactly right. I mean, ESPN has a big hand in this because, what, I mean, do people just think that, well, we have a football program and money just comes to us? No, it comes through TV deals. I mean, really, a Big Ten network has changed the game for everybody. Money just doesn't show up. What do they say? Money doesn't fall on trees? No, hell no. So it's the TV networks that drive it. You can complain about it all you want. And you certainly shouldn't complain about it as a coach. I think I told you guys this before. When I signed a contract or I signed an agreement to be the coach at West Virginia, I was going to make $500,000 a year, which to me was all the money in the world. But when I read it, only $150,000 was coming from the school. Everything else was coming from shoe companies and TV production type things. So, look, ESPN absolutely had a hand in it. The coach at Washington State and Oregon State should be hot about it. And frankly, particularly when you win, you should take shots all the time. At least I would. There's no such thing as being the better man when people are just stomping on you. There's no such thing in business, at least that kind of business, when you're the coach and not directly involved in negotiations to turn in the other cheek. you got to fight for your crew. That's what Ryan Day did. That's what the Washington State guy does. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see it stopping. If Washington State's really good, I got to believe that that guy is going to keep talking. And I got to believe that Ryan Day is going to bring this up, bring this up, and bring this up because it's defending his team. It endears you to your team. Ohio against the world. I lived in Ohio for 10 years. I never felt it was Ohio against the world. I felt like Ohio had a lot of advantages. I mean, a lot of cities, a lot of industry, big population. So I don't know where that came from, but it was pretty funny. Uh, final minute here, Dan. Are, are the Colts going to end up trading Jonathan Taylor before it's all said and done? Man. Um, my gun, I always go gun to head. I think yes. I, 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 I heard a couple things that in order, Colts are going to say play. Second thing, we'll try to trade you. And third thing is we'll sign you or we'll talk about an extension, but you got to play and we got to see what the heck you're doing. Yeah. That's from the Colts side of it. You know, I don't know the other side of it. I, I don't. I don't know Taylor's people. It may be so fractured, but let's be honest. You guys know this. We saw this with Debo Samuels. Debo Samuels was at parties ripping on the 49ers. Oh, this, that. Well, guess what? Money talks, BS walks, and they got it done. Gun to head. I, I think in a couple weeks, I think he'll play. If he doesn't play, then he's been traded because he's not going to sit out anymore. Yeah, we're entering the month for the trade deadline uh, coming up in uh, what, five weeks from now. Um, and, and reports yeah. are very cyclical. It's back around to him now wanting uh, to be traded again. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Dan, always great. Uh, we'll be watching tomorrow and, of course, uh, each weekday morning here on OutKick for Don't At Me. Fired up today. Loved it, Dan. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Bye-bye. Dan Dockage. Bring the I should energy. have asked him about the autograph he had on his Cubs jersey.
It was signed to Dan from someone on his chest. I don't know if you noticed that. I was trying to read what it was, but we'll ask him about it next time. Yeah, he'll be wearing it next time. We my can only my guess is maybe it was from Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub himself. Maybe so. That's my guess. Maybe Sandberg. Could be. Mark Grace. Maybe. Another one of my favorite Cubs. Maybe. Coming up, well, college football. Can we actually have too much of a good thing? We're seeing a lot of good. Is it great or is it annoying? Chad explains straight ahead on Hot Mike with Adam Withrow.